Hi, I'm Jason Gannon, the pastor of Kids and Families here at Resurrection. So glad you're tuning in to the With Parents podcast, where we hope to equip and encourage you as a parent to be better at raising a generation of faithful followers. And we're taking on all kinds of important subjects, like today, youth sports, and especially the psychology around youth sports. We're going to hear from Dr. Andrew Jacobs, who is a well-renowned uh, doctor in this area, has been on the radio, live radio show for 32 years, 42 years, as one of the first trained youth sports psychologists in the country, had a vision of himself with his parents said, I'm going to go do this. And he's made a huge difference. He's trained Olympic athletes, gold medal winners, professional athletes, athletes worked uh, for years with uh, professional sports and all the way down to amateur sports and has a practice today right here in the Kansas City area that is a great resource for families. Uh, his website, winnersunlimited.com has great resources and especially this book. I've just read this book. It's been called The Bible for Youth Sports and it's called Just Let Them Play. Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes Through Youth Sports. We're going to talk about that today. Whether you have a three-year-old who's now involved in recreational sports or a competitive 15-year-old, you're going to get takeaways today, practical tips on how to be the best parent you can be of that child, how to how to not add to undue pressure, how to get the, the best out of them, and that's the best in the involving their joy of play and life and character. It's just going to be a great session. Thanks for watching. Let's tune in. Um, I've been very fortunate in my career. When I started in 1981, nobody heard of sports psychology. Right. And right. I moved back here from grad school. And just a, a quick story. So I moved home and uh, my mother said, okay, I moved back into our house because I had no money. Now I owed my car, my stereo, my tennis rackets and a few pieces of clothing. Right. And my mom's like, all right, what are you gonna do? I said, well, I'm gonna start my sports psychology work. And, she, and my father, who's a very prominent physician said, you won't survive it, that nobody's done that before. Wow. And I said, well, it's what I believe in, what I wanna do, and 42 years later, it, it, it's worked. So my mom was like, if you believe it, do it. And she just passed away this past fall, she's a huge inspiration for me, and said, you know, your heart is gonna tell you what to do, and if that's what you believe, go for it. And so, Great you advice. know, one of the first trained sports psychologists in the country, and I've been fortunate enough over these years to still be working and, and working with a lot of interesting and fun people. Well, and your uncle was a, a big inspiration in your life, right? Who was in uh, uh, racing, horse racing. Which yeah, I was my, really my, my grandfather was one of 10 kids. Okay. Um, and four of his, three of his brothers became horse trainers. And one, my uncle Hirsch became a big inspiration for me. He died February 13, 1970 and, and was the winningest trainer in horse racing history. And he died, he won 3,596 races. And I asked, Asked his son, my cousin John, who trained after he passed away, you know, how many races did he lose? And he said, oh, Andy, close to 17, 18,000. Wow. But he he was very prominent in the 30s, 40s, and 50s in the United States, very, very famous. And we would go back and visit in, in the East Coast in the summers and, and over Christmas time. And, and one summer, I spent a week with my uncle and my aunt. He took me to the racetrack every morning. And he told me a quote, he said, I want you to write this down. And then his son, my cousin Tommy, reinforced it for me. Sports is the greatest theater in the world. Everyone knows their part, but no one knows what will happen. And that's mm -hmm. sort of Jason wow. become my mantra because he's right. I mean, good. everybody loves it, but you have no idea what's gonna happen. And look at the NCAA tournament right now. I mean, <laughs> right. Nobody knew, knew what was gonna happen with the final four teams that are existing. Man, that's great, that's great. Uh, adjective when you think about sports. So it's in the blood. I would say it's in your blood. And then you marry that with your desire to really better mental health and spiritual, emotional, holistic health in people's lives. 
I think we've got some things to learn today. And I picked up a lot in the book. Uh, and just for full disclosure, I have a 14-year-old athlete. And so, you know, youth sports is a part of our life, personally, at my home, my wife and I. And uh, but also many people that are part of our, our congregation have kids from, you know, two, three, four years old, all the way up to really competitive sports. And uh, this book is really interesting when you say, just let them play. Tell us about that. Well, I'm very fortunate to have had Jeff Montgomery and Pete Malone co-write the book with me with our, our writer, Matt Folks. And I asked both of them when I, when I wanted, I've been, I was asked numerous times throughout my career, Doc, you got to write a book. You got to write a book. You got to put something down on paper. So... I, several years ago, thought, you know, there needs to be some kind of a, an educational book about youth sports because it's, it's right. crazy. Right. The, the wild stuff I've seen and watching my sons grow up, who are now in their early 30s, um, seeing the wacko stuff that I saw from coaches and parents and things going on. So yeah. I decided I'm going to get two people to write this with me. I asked Jeff because he's the Royals all-time closer, but he yeah. also coached my son, Jonathan. And I asked Pete, who I worked with for 30 years at the Kansas City Blazers, because he coached my son Gregory. And wow. I mean, the Kansas City Blazers, when Pete was there, the top swim program in the country had eight Olympians, five gold medalists. And yes. I spent time with most of them. And then I got to know Jeff Montgomery extremely well at the Royals when I was their first sports psychologist in baseball in 1990. Wow. And we decided to put this together and, and, and coming up with the topic the, and, and the, the title, it's like, Youth sports should be about fun, going out and playing and enjoying it, not about winning. And right. I'll get into that in our discussion. But yeah. we said just let them play, guiding parent coaches and after through youth sports to go play. Yeah. That's what it's supposed to be about. But we've gotten to the point now, everybody's obsessed with winning, coming in first. Youth sports is 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 a multi-billion dollar business now. Right. You know, there's a youth sports soccer company here in the area that has soccer tournaments for two-year-olds. And I'm wow. like... Why? Wow. Why do you need to do that? Um, because someone's making money. Sure. I mean, ultimately, what's happened is between coaching fees, uniforms, traveling expenses, tournaments, trophies, ribbons, all this stuff, it's all about money. Right. And so people are, are caught up with the whole money aspect. Instead of sports, just be fun. You know, when I grew up, I grew up in Mission. I went to Shawnee Mission, Mission North High School, proud graduate, just at our 50th yeah. uh, high school reunion last year. Awesome. And I grew up in, in a grade school called Mohawk School, which is no longer there at 67th and Lamar. We'd go up there and play after school. Sure. And we played till it was dark. Yep. You never see, or I don't say never, you rarely see a group of kids up at a grade school playing anymore. You'll see them at an organized practice with parents directing what to do. Kids don't have that freedom. Of course, we have safety sure. issues today sure. that didn't sure. exist back then. But everything's structured and organized now, and that's a big concern to me. That every kids don't have the opportunity to just to just play and create on their own. Everything's structured for them. Yeah, I can I can relate in that my mom would not let me in before dark. Uh, the the door would be locked, and we would just be out to creative play, right? And that it is a different world today. A lot of structure. Um, and and I grew up in youth sports. I played t-ball and basketball and, and all of those things. And, and my coaches formed me, shaped me, they poured into me. I can remember that, you know, being supported by the team. And one of the things I love about the book is uh, your section in each chapter is Doc's diagnosis. And at the end, you kind of kind of give some reflections on the learning around that chapter, which I found really important. I want to draw up one. Uh, when it came, um, <clears throat> you said here, I've, I've become extremely concerned about the emphasis put on winning 
and the poor behavior of so many at all levels, whether it be athletes, coaches, parents, fans, or officials. And I've seen some of that at my own children's games. We kind of get into this, almost like we're living our own lives through our kids, mm-hmm. right? And and you guys talk about that. I'd love for you to break that down a little bit. Just this idea, like we're living this fantasy through our kids where they just have to win or there's no value. And what do you think about that? Well, we've gotten to the point with, with all these youth leagues where the competitiveness has taken over the aspect of fun. Right. The idea of winning, we need to win, we need to beat this team instead of we need to create and learn and grow. Yeah. One of the great things I, lear- I learned about Jeff Montgomery when he coached my son was that his emphasis was on development. And these are 12-year-old boys on a competitive team. And yeah, we wanted to win. I mean, one of the kids on the on the team's dad, Joe Carter, one of the greatest baseball players, ever, one of the greatest people I've known. Yeah. And Joe and I spent a lot of time talking at the game. You know, just about having fun and getting better. Yeah, we wanted to, to they're 12, they wanted to win. And that's sort of the age, 12, 13, where right. the score starts to become important. But still, it was about having fun. Right. And I see so many parents trying to live through their kids and, and get so caught up in the results of the games that the fun gets out of it. And, I, and I've, I mean, I've had hundreds of kids that I've seen, seen in my office over the years who come in and I'll ask them, you know, do you enjoy playing sports? Yes, but I'm worried. What are you worried about? About letting mom and dad down. Why are you worried about letting them down? Because wow. I'm not succeeding. And then most of the time, the parents that are, will bring their kids into my office are there because they care about their kids enough that sure. I love you. I don't care if you win or lose. I just want you to have fun and play and get better right. and, and, and understand the whole thing. But there's so much pressure today at younger and younger ages to win. One of the impetuses for this book was uh, there was an article written about a, a, a writer brought his second grade son to an AAU basketball tournament in Memphis national tournament and they watched second third and fourth grade kids play in this tournament and the uh, coach for one of those teams from from the team from new york and after they lost in the semi the quarterfinals or semifinals he was screaming at the kids i'm coaching you like 15 year olds not 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 you know third graders and you're gonna need to start to act like it i'm like but they're third graders they're not 15 year olds right so we've gotten to the point now where this winning has gotten it I mean, yeah, it's great to come in first place. Sure. But my definition of a winner, Jason, is did you go out and do the best you could that day? Right. You can have 5,000 people run a 10K road race, and they all run their best times. They're all winners. One person came in first place, but everybody sure. won because they improved. And if, if you work on that, you'll eventually get to the point where you may come out on top. Yeah. And that's great advice. Great thoughts. Um, it kind of segues to the next part of the book where you talk about embracing failure. And I think that's important. I know, at least in our culture here, certainly we represent a, a bulk of the country uh, that is is about succeeding and only succeeding and kind of worldly success, right? And I love how you reframe that. What does succeeding look like? Your best effort. Did you do your best? Put forth your best. And I mean, that's how we think about our faith, putting forth, forth our best uh, before God. And I think that's a good learning. And so how do we embrace failure? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that when you've, what you've learned, what you studied, uh, just your diagnosis, Doc's diagnosis about this embracing failure as a, as a value. Well, to put it bluntly and not to be rude, losing sucks. There, it's, yeah. it's no fun to lose. <laughs> right. I mean, I've heard that thousands of times, but you're going to lose. You're going to fail. Yeah. And so our, our chapter embracing failure can lead to fun is this. 
you have to learn how to fail. Too many people are taught about winning, 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 but you need to learn when you lose or when you fail, when you don't do well, because that's the greatest lesson. If you know, if, if you're out, eventually you're, you're not going to win everything. Right. No, you know, no team, no athlete goes through life winning everything. At some point, you're going to not come in first place. So how do you deal with that? And I have so many young kids who will do really well at younger ages, and then they get to middle school or high school, and all of a sudden everybody else catches up with them. They don't know how to handle that. It's devastating for some of them. I've never, I've never lost before. I have pro athletes who I've worked with, Olympians who I've worked with, who will get to that point, and then, then their level of competition gets more parallel and evened out from everybody else, and they, they have to learn about failure and losing. It's part of what you do. And we all screw up. We all make mistakes. So how do you overcome that in sports where it's the greatest way to learn about that? I think when you lose a game or you fail at what you've done, what did you learn about yourself from that? And how are you going to improve and get better? And that's what I found throughout my career with, with all these wonderful people that I've worked with. You know, when, when one uh, very prominent athlete I work with, well-known Nick Lowry, the Kansas City Chiefs kicker for a long mm -hmm. time, we worked together for close to 14 years. Every year he'd sit down, and this is all public knowledge, he used to co-host my radio show with me. We'd write out a list of goals for the season, and every year he'd say, I want to make every kick. How many years do you think, you think he made every kick? <laughs> right. None. None. So well. the key thing was, when he missed a kick, how's he going to overcome that? And I work yeah. with a lot of NFL kickers on that. I have a Super Bowl jersey in my office, one very prominent kicker, and on that jersey it says FOE, focus on effort. We talk about foe versus four. Focus on effort versus focus on results. Because if you focus on your effort when you go out there, you're thinking about executing. You're not thinking about the end result. Right. And, and in the end, that, that, that I found really makes a huge difference. I appreciate that. That's very affirming because I, I had to catch myself because uh, I found myself, right? We're all in the human condition. And even with my daughter and her sports, I would find myself like wanting that win so bad, right? Wanting that win so bad and wanting them to succeed in that win. And I can't remember who, who said it, but I heard, I think it was like a coach, it may have been like Coach Wooden or one of the famous coaches of all time who said like, there's only two things you can control and that's effort and attitude. And I started checking myself on just, on just saying, make sure we're coaching our daughter on do your best effort and check your attitude, effort, effort and attitude. Just, it stuck with me. So I appreciate you saying effort as you think about how as a parent, you could really support your kid. Well, the, failure, the you know? key thing with that is I, I think so many coaches are always talking about how we're going to win, how we're going get, to get, make a hit or get, make that shot or sink that putt. But what happens when you miss it? You know, great coaches take the time to coach failure. They take the time to coach what happens when you don't succeed. Because we're going to screw up and fail. It's inevitable, whatever we do. So how are you going to overcome that when that happens? If we, you know, coaches want our kids to do, most, most coaches do it because they love coaching. They love helping kids out. But when they don't fail, or excuse me, when they don't succeed and they're going to fail, You've got to teach them how to deal with that too. I would, I always ask parents when they're going to sign their kids up for a team, find out about that coach. What's his or her philosophy about winning and losing, success, failure, about building confidence? What kind of communicator? Or I always say a, a great coach is a great listener more than being a good communicator. They're, mm. they're, they, they do communicate well, but they listen and they want to know why those kids are there. What's the reason you're on the team? What are your goals? What do you want to accomplish? How can I help you get those?
That's good. What I loved how you point out, and you, you give this advice in the book about making a list of your goals, just like you mentioned with the professional kicker, but even at, at even with children, right? Sitting down as a parent and child and making that list of what are our goals for the season? What do we hope to accomplish? Uh, you talk about in the book, I think it's you and, and uh, uh, Jeff and Peter, about the how. So it's not just what, what you hope to accomplish, but how to get there and writing down the hows. I thought that was really powerful when I, you think about steps to make a difference in your life, you know? I always tell parents a lot of the time, ask the, you know, a good coach is going to have a preseason meeting with the parents and the kids. And here's what we're here for. Here's what I want to accomplish. Here are my goals. But let's see if we all fit together on this. You know, some coaches are gonna say, hey, we're here to win, win the title. We're here to win the championship. And some people are like, we're all in for that. And some people are like, I'm not into that. I just want my child to get better. Right. So that's where, that's where I think it's important to interview, find out about the coach and the team you're going to sign your kids up for. What's, what's their reason for coaching? Yeah. What are their goals? And then good coaches take the time to, to ask, why are you here? You know, ask the kids, what are you here? What do, what do you want to get on this team? What do you want to learn? What do you want to grow from? Right. When people come in my list, I have them write five things down. Their goals, strengths, weaknesses, fears, and distractions. What are all those things? And I, I do that with teams and I work with them. We'll do that as a team and go over those things to find out where does everybody fit in these things. And yeah. there are two types of goals, materialistic goals, which are the, the end results, the, how many games you've won or your batting average, how many points you score. But right. the non-materialistic goals, which is how you feel about everything, that's the foundation of all that. That's good. That's good. Good practical advice. There was another uh, piece you said in the book that was one of maybe my largest takeaway as a parent thinking about my teenage daughter, which was to discuss before the game how you'll discuss the game following the game. Um, why, why do you think that's important? Because, <laughs> you know, the emotion of that, that loss or the, even the emotion of the win and how you speak about it and and also making sure the player that I'm not adding any undue pressure on my daughter that, that there's probably enough <coughs> pressure, you know, she's competitive. And so I really appreciated that. And I've already put that into practice. Um, as I, I told her the other day, I said, listen, I want to talk about after the game because we've been talking after the game and can, can get heated. So why don't we, I want you to decide how we do that. And so she's thinking about it. She said, let me, give me some time to think about it. Dad. Oh, good. I said, okay, good. So I just want to you know, tell you, hey, doc, thanks for the advice. I'm, I'm learning. Um, and, and I think that was a really a high value as you think about what's important and how you address it with your kids. You know, um, I've learned throughout my career, I mean, 1990, I was one of the first full-time sports psychologists in baseball. I was at the Royals every day. Yeah. And I would see how guys would handle winning and losing after games. Some guys handled it fine, some guys didn't. Um, but we had one player who was a very prominent guy who would call his dad after every game. And his dad was his coach growing up. They were very close. But we, we were talking about stuff because I'm, I'm, I'm tired of having to tell him how I'm playing. I'm, I'm an all-star. I'm a major league baseball player. I want you to tell him, oh, no, no, you know, I, I still need to please him. And so there was one game where he went four for five and made a great play in the ninth inning that saved the game, which we won. And he called his dad up after the game. The first thing out of his dad's mouth was, why'd you strike out in the second inning? Wow. And he hung up on his dad. He'd never done that. And so he called me that night. I was already home in bed, called me and was, was just beside himself because he'd never been rude to his dad. Well, he came over the next day and 
actually came over to my house and we talked for like three hours in the morning. I got him to call his dad back and his dad apologized and they worked out. He said, Dad, I'm a major league baseball player. I mean, I'm going to fail. You can't get on me. How about just congratulating me for what I'm doing? I think so many, so many parents, I mean, we all want our kids to succeed. Sure. That's just, that's just normal human behavior. But every, they're not always going to succeed. You're going to fail. And I think we learn more when we fail than when we win. Because when we win, when we fail or when we lose, you have to look at yourself a lot deeper. When you win, oh, everybody's happy, whatever. When you lose, you got to look at yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think the key thing after a game on the drive home, I say, first thing is say, okay, I love you. It was great watching you play. Let's, you want pizza? You want hamburgers? You want chicken? What do you want to do? Yeah. You know, where, where are we going to go eat? Yeah. Okay. And if it was a bad game or something like that, and as the you know parents want to get involved, you want to sure. want to talk about it. The last thing to do is talk about it in the car. I would say, wait till you get home and say, listen, if you want to talk about the game, I'll be glad to talk about it. But if they don't bring it up, you don't get into it with them. But if they misbehaved or did something that really bothers you as a parent, when you get home, say, look, let's, we'll just talk about this tomorrow. Yeah. Let everybody cool down because after these games, it's emotional. Right. You know, the, at, your, at the, the, your child's going to be upset if they didn't do well. Yeah. And you're going to be upset if they didn't do well. Especially if you got an, oh, what's wrong with your kid? How come he struck out again? You know, that, that right. I hear that all, all the time, too. Sure. So it's always good to just let the emotions subside and wait till things calm down before you talk about it. That's great advice. <laughs> yeah, makes me think, you know, the, the last thing I want to do as a, as a dad, as a parent, is add anxiety to my daughter who already feels it about her own competitive play, already feels it from the coach who has high expectations, her players, her peers, you know, her teammates that she's trying to live up to. Uh, I know I want to be encouraging. I'm, I'm reflecting on a story that you shared in here about, a, I think it was a dad who felt the same pressure after the game, like he needed to address it. And when he asked, the, I think it was a son and another boy that were in the car, what do they want to talk about? And they said, can we get ice cream? And it was just like this perspective change of like, yeah, let's keep things in perspective. Let's just go get some ice cream. Just let them play, right? I just well, there you go. Just let them play. <laughs> that's that. That's that. In, in essence, that's that's where the title came from. Yeah, is that really? It's 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 youth sports is is the greatest. I, I think the greatest way to learn about yourself because you're, you're you're physically, emotionally, mentally trying to do something. You know, when you're taking a test at school, you've got to focus on that. It's not a. It, it can be physical to some degree, but yeah. when you're playing sports, it's a combination of all these things. And so you can learn about what you're good at, what you're not so good at. And if you want to get better, you'll take the areas you're not so good at and work on getting better at them. But if you keep succeeding all the time, it, it hides the negatives and, and the deficits because they're, they're going to come out at some point. So it's always good to learn about how to fail, how to lose, because that will make you stronger when you get better. Great insight. <laughs> Great insight. I, I have, uh, I, you know, so I looked over, I want to mention too, just your website has a lot of resources. Not only do you obviously your practice where uh, you support kids, families, anyone really looking about being better bettering themselves. But if you go to winnersonlimited.com and I'll share all this uh, on the website as well, but uh, you've got not only your books, but you've got some downloadable videos there uh, that are just great about visualization. Audio. T- Audio, yeah. So when I was in grad school, um, I learned about visualization, which I wish I'd known about when I played high school tennis because I'd been a lot better. But um, I had a great tennis pro, John Bragan, who taught me how to play tennis here in the Kansas City area, taught hundreds of, of, of athletes. And 
had his daughters played, two of them won state titles and went on to play in college. Um, but visualization is, is seeing yourself do what you want to do before you do it. Hmm. And so I, I developed these, pro, these audio programs that start with a breathing exercise, a progressive muscle relaxation exercise, a confidence building section, and a visualization section that are on there. I have them for hitting and, and pitching in baseball or softball, swimming, tennis, running, bowling. I have a generic one. And it goes through that four-step process because it teaches you about, it's, it's the whole mental preparation part. And it, it's right. what I've used forever throughout my whole career. And, and, and these things work when you get yourself in the, in the right physical and mental state to go out and compete and then see yourself doing what you want to do. When you visualize what you want to do, and enhance, 75 to 80% of people who visualize have a greater chance of success than people who don't. And that's just that's just amazing to me because I feel like that's that's a great step that any of us can take just in life. Um, I, I think about, you know, when you think about the sports analogy, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament writes about going on uh, racing for the prize, and the prize is connecting with God. And how we do that is loving God and loving others. And so we talk about in life about being the best we can be. Sports is one of those places where you can really think about how can I be the best I can be at this skill, at this camaraderie, at this at being a great teammate, um, building respect, character, all the elements that sport and team play uh, offer. And I just feel like that connects to our faith. And and that's part of the reason why we have a kids sports ministry. And so I want to mention that uh, it's out of our West location. We do basketball uh, and soccer, and it's it's a faith-based sport experience. Uh, really built uh, around character building. And I feel like when we look at what we're doing in that, and when I look at your materials, Dr. Jacobs, and your incredible history of work, your body of work, um, it's exceptionally powerful about creating a better individual, a better holistic life. And I just I just want to say thank you as a community member for your work. Well, I, I appreciate that. You know, I, I wanted to say this. When, when uh, my father was, I mentioned, a very prominent gastroenterologist, and we would go up to Canada and go fishing. And one time I, he made me bring his briefcase, which was loaded with all these journals, weighed about 30 pounds. And I'm like, why are you, we would change planes two or three times to get to where we're going. And I said, why are you taking all these? And he said, well, I have a debt to pay to society. I took someone's place in medical school someone else should have had, so therefore, yeah, that's my job. And, I was, and at the time I thought, that's pretty dumb. But as I've gone on in life, it's like, my job's to help people in much the same way his was try because i try to help people just get better feel right. better about themselves and right. fortunately i've been able to do this for a long time i hope to do it for a lot longer my goal is to be on the radio 50 years so i figure i'll be 86 at that point when that ends but <laughs> yes. but uh, i love i love doing this because the biggest thrill i get is when somebody said it will leave me a message or come tell me in my office you know i i accomplished my goal i right. did it and, and, and so then I feel like, you know, I'm helping them out. And that's that's the reason I do this. Well, that's great. <laughs> that's fantastic. Really, I've appreciated this conversation. We think about the, the book. It's a great book. Just let them play. Reminds us about the importance of fun and joy in the in the midst of sport. Reminds us about embracing our failures. Guides us. Uh, there's, there's a section we didn't even get into, but parents, a great section about knowing your role uh, as a parent and the player and the coach. Uh, and what he calls the athletic box, uh, which I would just say, dig into that. It's pretty good. And uh, just some great practical takeaways on how to be a better parent, supporting your child, walking through the sports journey, um, and really being a better person all the way around. We really appreciate your time today. Well, I'm fortunate, Jason, to have worked with so many wonderful people throughout my career and, and to have Pete and, and, and Jeff co-write that book with me. They're, they're wonderful people. And the whole reason we did that is because 
just to, to go play and have fun. Yeah. Because that's what it's supposed to be. Right. You know, and if you do that, you take that point. We're just going to go out and play and have a good time today. Winning and losing doesn't matter. You'll enjoy yourself. And that that's the purpose of it. Well, that's a great point to uh, end on. We appreciate you tuning in today and listening uh, to Dr. Andrew Jacobs, uh, who has really widened our thought process when it comes to youth sports.